episode of Forgotten Eagles with your host and former everyman at Stanley Community College. I am the wizard, John Helsbeck. And yes, we are back with part two uh, with our guest, Dylan Finkst. And of course, uh, to be clear, yet again, that any stories that may sound incriminating, um, well, we'll just say those are made up and the statute of limitations, if you will, have expired. Finks, what's up? What's good, brother? Hey, man, we're back again. Uh, I'm sure you got a chance to hear the final um, episode with Derek Moses, former catcher at Stanley Community College. What do you think about the uh, the last half of that one? It's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough act to follow, man. I like if you could squeeze somebody else in between Derek and I, <laughs> that would be so bad for it. Dude, it's it's all it's all true though, and that's that's <laughs> the uh, the crazy thing about it. So. Yeah, um, I'm sure we can. We, we should bring some of that up because I'd love to, like, you know, confirm and elaborate a little bit on some well, go of those. Ahead, go ahead, man. I mean, what do you, What do you got? Well, I mean, you've got the <clears throat> you've got the whole thing with um with with Land. Like, I forgot who we told, bro, about about Derek. But I remember him coming to the coming to the field that day and like. Dude, I, I, he looked like the Hulk. Like I was like, "Holy shit, this is this is gonna be a fun day, like another fun day at the dawn." And um, yeah, I mean that 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 was crazy. And then the <clears throat> then the whole thing with um, uh, God, what what what, what was it that he was talking about with um, Campbell? Yeah, so it was like me, Hunter Dole, Dutter. Derek and like we were like I remember our jaws like hitting the floor when the uh, West Virginia thing happened and yeah so so tell me what you remember about that because a lot of this stuff uh, listeners is going to be um, like the stuff we're going to cover here uh, tonight and of course going into part three um, I'm sure that will happen um, also is um, a lot of this stuff that that thinks text me and it's on our on our show sheet is uh, a lot of stuff I completely forgot and now remember that it came back up uh, now that he mentioned it so what what do you remember about that moment was he taught it was it a west was it a west Virginia baseball coach dude I, dude, I think it I think it was somebody from the baseball program because I, I mean I don't know if wake or if West Virginia Tech was around yet but they they're the only other ones with that logo um well and i know it wasn't blue bluefield state is in west virginia as no, well correct nah, dude, it, yeah but this was a wv this was really good chance yeah I, yeah so what's what matter your, how, it didn't matter how we pitched or played that day at that point we, yeah so what was your uh do your impersonation Oh, he like had his glasses on and like a little bit of dip hanging out of his mouth, and like had his like you know did one of those like an Italian fu. He's like, <laughs> hey, like what's Virginia? Makes my dick hard. And we were like, oh, what? Wow. Like, okay. Wow. Never gonna be <laughs> invited to another Scout Bay again. <laughs> we're we're screwed. Yep, that's it for us, boys. That's it, man. So, um, yeah. what, what else? You, fun so, fun. the the day with um, the day with Derek talking to Jeff about uh, head coach Jeff Lamb about um, the players, um, you know, him telling players that um, that he wasn't D one material. Do you remember um, 
do you remember that ever? You remember Lamb talking to you about other players, or you know, just kind of elaborate on that. Um, I mean, he he would talk to me about like Hunter and JT, but that's about it. Like, he would ask me like, "What's up with Dole?" I don't, I don't know. Ask him. Like, I don't. But he never, like, he never really communicated with me a lot. So, um, like, even that day with Derek, like, we were always, like, obviously always separated. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we all met, like, afterwards as a team. And we were all just, like, super confused as to what was going on. At least, well, not all of us. I was confused as to what was going on. But And we were correct, though, in saying that that was the day I was not there, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, Lamb and Hatley. And um, I forgot who threw BP. That Renfro, I think, threw a little BP. Um, I think Silsby tried to, and we were like, no. Um, I mean, what were was, the coaches doing during that practice? <clears throat> um, well, Lamb was just kind of chilling, like usual. Um, only time he ever really did anything was when, I mean, I feel like he dragged the field sometimes through some BP. But... I mean, he would just spit dip, kind of just yell a little bit. Do you remember the moments? Um, and this is something I probably I should have brought up with Derek, and um, we'll we'll start. I'm making this as a list to uh, uh, on my list to bring on with every or ask everybody. Do you remember yeah. um, Jeff Lamp taking BP? Taking BP? Yeah, when he would take BP on the field. Oh, oh my God! I feel like I do. Um, I know he did it like the last two years, um, and and he would take like four or five swings, uh, you know, shitty grin on his face. Oh, oh, wait a minute, yeah, hold on, I do remember that. I remember he poked a little ball over shortstop once, and yeah. like we all started cheering for him because I yeah. think that was the furthest one he hit. And he would hit, um, he would hit IO with um, uh, batting gloves on. Yeah, man. I mean, that's like using a metal fungo, bro. Just can't. Well, he would have a metal fungo, and that, oh I, god, oh. that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I never, I was never involved, right? You know? So, like, I, I didn't see what was going on. Well, and and the fact is, too, um, I, I had it. Well, there was a discussion on Twitter. Um, I saw Duke University um, using a metal fungo, and I have all the respect in the world for uh, uh, Rick Pollard and um, and and his staff, and um, you know. So, but I just tweeted as like Duke University coaching staff is using metal fungos today like you know like i'm kind of like confused because hey. the way i was brought up like that's that's like um no offense that's what dads use because you know it's just i don't know it's just what dads use and it might be honestly the coach's version of like the tweeners being back in it might be like one of those little troll jobs like could be uh-huh. like, yeah like making fun of me well we're like 22 let's uh, suck it you know like Right, hey, but Duke is Duke is a good, Duke's gonna be a fun team to watch this year. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna be able to swing it well. Um, yeah, that's pretty deep. But um, besides that, just uh, anything you think about um, with the with the Derek conversations, and um, like I said, we're gonna bring a bunch of you guys on for like a little thirty for thirty shorts. Um, just you and Derek together, or you and Hunter all together, and uh, for thirty minutes, and just kind of throw those in a, a, along the way as well. Um, getting some good feedback from Forgotten Eagles podcast. A lot of people are listening to it. A lot of baseball players start to listen to it on their bus rides. And yeah. um, it's pretty cool. And a lot of dads are listening to it. And a lot of dads are having their kids listen to it, too. Um, and, and you know, I probably certain parts. Um, but, you yeah, know, it's yeah, sometimes, boys. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to play college baseball, you're going to be, uh, you know, privy to all this stuff in person. So um, mm-hmm. it happens everywhere. Um, some of the stuff doesn't happen to the extreme it did um, in Albemarle, North Carolina during those um, six years. But um, it is what it is. Let's start this deal off here on part two with um, – something that's that means a lot to you and um i remember it like it was yesterday tell us a little bit about your first ever start in college baseball um you beat a top 10 team in the nation in uh lewisburg college and shout out to lewisburg because i know there are a couple of guys that listen to um this um that that have played there in the past but um dude to me lewisburg college is 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 like a mini mini duke ba- basketball in, in the baseball realm. And what I mean by that is um, they have their, they have their tradition, they have their history. Um, they're, they're contending every year and Frazier field is unlike any other. You can say it doesn't have all of this and that maybe, but when you go there, if you ever get a chance to go to Lewisburg college and watch a baseball game, you'll feel that presence of something just like you do when you enter Cameron indoor stadium with Duke. Um, I love Lewisburg College. I, I love everything about them. Their locker room is old school. It's fantastic. I mean, everything about the college, everything about the baseball program and the, and the place um, is is awesome. And you went down there and you beat a top 10 team in the nation at Stanley Community College. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I feel like you only slated me for like an inning that day. It was like a whole staff day. And then I ended up like going a few more. Yeah, we. Had, I remember we had uh, like one, one, two, two, one, two, or something like that. It was it was a double headers, two sevens on a Wednesday, correct? Yeah, you kind of just let me go. Yeah, I mean, you you went out. I knew you got out of the first in like seven pitches. You got out of the second in like nine, and and Lamb was like, "Well, we need to get Salesby going, or we need to get you know, because he wanted to treat everything like everybody perceives it." In the in the in the parent parental world of Wednesday, you get your your Saturday Sunday your your weekend guys like one inning of work or whatever, dude. We're out here to win the game. We're out here to if my guy's shoving, we're shoving. I don't give a shit about the weekend because the game we're playing is right now. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, that was our attitude going up there. Like, you know, in that sense, being on I guess both sides of like that weekday matchup against a team that you know you're supposed to you're not supposed to beat i guess like on paper right um yeah it didn't really matter to us it was just like it was got there play a lot of us had played on that field man like we played so much travel ball on that field i feel like and like tons of tournaments so like we're all pretty comfortable with it and uh i mean it was a weekday so i think we we're just glad to like not be at school and playing some baseball for the day so I think that I think that was kind of everybody's attitude, and that was definitely mine. Like, I had some friends that went there, like randomly, um, and they came out, and that was that was kind of cool too. So, so, you, but but let's 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 dive in a little deeper. So, you you go out and you get the ball to start against. I think at the time they were number seven or number nine in the nation, yeah, and uh, just like just like last year, um, USC Union, who is, is either their, I think last year was their first year as a program, uh, might have been their second, but the first or second year as a program, USC Union went out and beat Walter State. Um, and and they were number one in the nation at the time. Some 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 uh, columns had them ranked second. I'll give them that. But, you know, one or two is pretty good. Um, so and USC Union came out and beat them. And then uh, game two, they got waxed, which, which we didn't get waxed. We got beat pretty good um, in, in game two. But you go out, you go, you go out, you're, you're starting as this team. You have a 
terrific quick first inning. Um, we got we got your run on the board in the first. I remember that. I do not remember how it happened, but I know it was one nothing when you went back out in the second. What was your mindset? And um, was it just any other game, or did you have like a I'm facing like the number a top ten team in the nation? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> who's the dude that plays for the Orioles now? That went there. Oh yeah, um, I wish you hadn't asked me that, but we will we will find that out. We will get it. We we will get it. Yeah, he he was in the lineup. So um, yeah, that that was. I mean, I, I, then like we didn't we didn't really know. Like I think we talked about it last time. Like we just didn't have the same access to stuff as kids do now. Mm-hmm. So you know, I didn't know who anybody was really. I just knew they were good. Um, so when we went up one nothing, Cedric Mullins. Cedric freaking Mullins, dude. Um, when we went up one nothing, to me it was just like another relief appearance. After that, it was just like, hey, hold it, you know, keep working your two seam, two seam slider combo, and you know, let your guys make plays behind you and see what happens. And you know, when you got like Jay Wall and Hunter behind you up the middle, and you know, Goobs was just like. I don't even know how to explain it. He just so he was so twitchy over at third base, like knew he was gonna get everything. Um, dish at first, and you know it was it was it's pretty easy to be comfortable in that spot and just think like, hey, hold 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 whatever happens here, but give your guys a chance to win the inning, and that's that's what happened. It was I, I felt like it was luck almost. Like my stuff was just there for longer than like two innings for the first time all year. And, um, yeah, that was, that was just an awesome win. Like, I, it was much different than my first, like, outing. Like, my heart wasn't pumping as hard. It was just, it was very, like, I remember just being, like, very relaxed. Um, the mound, you kind of have those days, too, where the mound seems a hell of a lot closer to the plate. Sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, and, like, that's that's what it felt like. It felt like I was just hitting whatever spot I needed to. But, I mean, that's something I always remember because I could just see – like I could see that view, and I know exactly. Like I know exactly what's going on when I when I I go up there. I went up there, I guess, um, a few times as a as a coach at Peace. Um, just go watch some travel ball, like showcase tournaments and stuff. I'm a couple camps, and uh, I mean, just kind of walk back in. You're like, oh yeah, I like I know what I did on this field. Like there's maybe a hundred people out there yeah. right now, and they have they have no idea, but I know what I did on this field. So. Um, yeah, that was that was a good experience. Absolutely, and and you also have those days as hitters too, where you feel like a guy's right on top of you throwing gas, or it doesn't matter. Throw one. I know I'm gonna gonna stroke it. Um, the final score of that game was either three to one or four to two, I believe. Am I am I wrong? No, no, that was it was. I know it was a two three run game or something. And um, I mean, we just that was, that was probably the most well put together game we played all year, considering the opponent too. Um. So yeah, it was, that was an awesome game. And you alluded to it there um, during during that explanation, but um, you're talking about your first outing, and I know <laughs> you you had texted me about this earlier. Um, your first outing was at USC Lancaster. Um, actually, got oh, a no, guy- no, no, no. it was at home. It was my first like spring outing was game one at home, like against, at least against USC against Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And then and then so talk about your your first outing at USC Lancaster, of course. Before you get into the failed Jolly Rancher play, I will explain that Jolly Rancher play if you don't mind. Uh, you want me to do that? Because no, I, I, I'll, I'll I explain the Jolly Rancher play. Yes, please do, so people okay. know like how okay. easy this actually was. 
So, so um, Bubba Donathan, number uh, five in the program, number one in our hearts, he will be on. He will actually be the next guest after uh, Dylan Finks. Uh, Bubba and I grew up together, um, played together through high school, played together at Stanley, and then I actually coached him uh, one year. Um, and and uh, all time best, one of the best friends. And um, so during Legion, you, you get you know you play so many games in so many days. You play you know in the month of June, you play 27 games. Uh, in those 31 days or 30 days or whatever it is. And, um, you know, you, you come up with stuff every day and um, you're always together. You're at the field. Um, you see your teammates more during the old school Legion season than you do your parents and, and everybody else. And um, you just come up with stuff. You, you get creative. If you get bored, baseball is a game of getting bored. So you get creative. And that's how a lot of cool things have happened in time. But, um we created a Jolly Rancher play, um, and, and you can use whatever you want. You can use a blow pop. You can use uh, one time, but we did not have any Jolly Ranchers. We used those um, Lifesaver Mints. Um, but I played shortstop, Bubba played second, and we always had a play. It was really good with Cameron Ole, who was a pitcher in Legion. Um, Greg Holt did well with it, too. I used to catch him in the, in the offseason. Um, damn, I forgot about him, man. Well, not forgot about him, but. That, yeah. dude was, that dude was good. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He's fantastic. He actually went to Lewisburg College. And fun fact, I don't know if uh, I should say this on here or not. I don't know. I just know uh, BJ Upton or Melvin now um, has a lot more money than I do. Um, so, Same. yeah, so we'll, we'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it kind of you guys can figure it out. But um, when Cameron Ole went to Lewisburg to play, BJ was not taking the nine point whatever signing bonus. He nine point one. He wanted nine point seven or something. So um, he actually said, "Screw you guys! I'm gonna go to Lewisburg and play for a year, and then get drafted again." <clears throat> well, he uh, Lewisburg actually moved Cameron Ole out of his dorm room because he had the biggest dorm room in the athletic dorm um, to move so BJ could live in that one because it had its own shower and bathroom in there. Um, and they said that uh, for the four days that he was there before he ended up settling for like 9.5 million, um, BJ Upton, he would uh, um, cloud a smoke for sure. Um, and, and was just a cool, crazy down to earth guy, but it was always a cloud of smoke there. Um, and it was some good smoke too, they said. So, I imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah, 9.5, you can, <laughs> you can create your own. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so we, we had this play where um, the pitchers knew about it and it would just be like the, the pitcher would kind of wait to just kind of glance over and see where Bubba was and, and I was. And and as the pitcher's getting the ball back in, so a guy gets on second base after a walk or a hit or whatever, usually after a base knock was the best time, um, I would go up as a shortstop and, and you know, toss the ball back to, to Cameron or to Bubba. As soon as I tossed it to Bubba, Bubba tossed it to the pitcher. And, and I was like, hey, man, what's, what's up, man? How you been? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, you want to, you want to, uh, you want a Jolly Rancher? They don't let me dip out here no more. You want a Jolly Rancher? And he like, nah. And then I pull one out of my back pocket and kind of like hold it up to his face. Like, Hey man, you want a Jolly Rancher around his side towards the third base side where his eyes would glance over this way. And as soon as the kid would look down at the Jolly Rancher pitcher would throw the ball base, throw the baseball back to Bubba. And we, we, uh, would pick off, we picked off quite a few guys. We had a lot of uh, heated arguments about it, and uh, I remember um, he he passed away in a in an automobile accident. Real real skinny guy. I apologize. I do not remember his name. He um, umpired. He was from Randolph County. Umpired a lot of my Legion games. Very very skinny guy. Uh, very very uh, very skinny guy. 
JT. JT, absolutely. You're you're dead on. And um, great guy. And one time he he said, John, there ain't nothing illegal about that, but that's just wrong. And I said, Hey, we got an out though, didn't we? And now we get we don't have a man in scoring position anymore, brother. Yeah, man. Um, I wish I didn't mess it up the first time. All right, so tell us about this. Your first outing, your first outing at UC uh, against you uh, at home against USC Lancaster. Did you w- w- obviously was out of the pen, and how did you mess this up? So it was um, kind of garbage time, and uh, I'm guessing we were down. Yes. Okay. Um, and I, Jay Wall called it, and I totally screwed it up, like my footing. And I went to throw it, and I threw it in the center field. And it was pretty embarrassing because it was my first. That, that was the first time I. That was the first time I pitched in a game, so that was everybody's. That that was everybody's first thing they saw out of me in the spring, and I was like, "Man, come on! How do you, like how do you screw that up? Like that's yeah. the one you look forward to seeing when when Jay Wall called it, so." Well, you know, did you ever, did y'all ever call it again? No. No, no. no. Never, actually, never, never picked off again, actually, I, for the rest of my life. Probably smart. Yeah. Probably smart, for sure. So, uh, like we did in part two um, with Derek Moses, we're going to do in part two, and we're going to let the man that has um, confidently played that he has the scoop and remembers it vividly. Um we're playing Rockingham. Coach Johnson is there. He's my best buddy. Um, I, I met him twice in my life, and and things are going getting getting tense. Um, double play to end the game. We turn the double play. We're pumped. We just had our first sweep ever. First sweep in sweep in region. And the next thing I know, JT Tuttle is punching the guy that slid in the second base. He was our center fielder and things ensued guys punched people. And you actually were in a fight with a grown man over near second base. Um, start from the beginning. We got plenty of time. It's all yours. So like from the very beginning of that, um, whatever you want, man. Me and Tyler Ring were up in the bullpen. We're up by two, I think. And um, we're both ready. Lamb calls him in. He goes in and um, gets in some trouble. Um, there's one out. I think no, there's nobody out. I come in first and second. Um, Wait, you were the pitcher that you finished the game? I did. Um Okay, so you you that makes more sense now as we we un, we we peel back these layers. When I remember vividly the pitcher, now I see you there. I knew it was I knew obviously the pitcher. I, now I see you there. You and Derek were shaking hands when you realized the fight hap was going on. Yeah, so yep. we got we once once that once it started like me you and Derek actually got together yeah, there. Yeah. Um but I know there was a ground ball to Goobs, and um, he kind of fumbled it, um, which loaded the bases. Goobs was the third baseman, by the way, uh, for all the listeners. Yeah, Justin McDowell. Yeah, Justin McDowell, and we called him Goobs. Uh, He had Popo Gooby's ashes. 
um, in a in a little urn thing around his neck, and rest in peace, Paul Paul Gooby, and um, and he is uh, one of the biggest misfit characters, um, fantastic guy, and you guys are going to love the character when we introduce him into this, and and I love how you introduced him already. That's a good backstory. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. So. But he he like he fumbled a ground ball, um, which loaded the bases. There was, I think I got a strikeout after that. Um, next, so bases loaded, one out. Next pitch, ground ball to J Wall, six four three. I'm pumped. I'm coming over to you and Derek to like that we swept. Um, so that that was that was huge for us. Um, man, the next thing I know, like you run past me. I turn around and everybody is just beating the shit out of each other. So I run into the pile and I didn't know what to do. Honestly, I had no idea what to do. Never been involved in anything like that before. So it, it is a weird dynamic. Um, yeah. A lot of people think that these things are just like dudes just punching each other and stuff. It's not necessarily the case. It's um, and like I said, on one of the podcasts I've been in, unfortunately been in like three or four of them. And um, it's, it's a very looking back. It's a very weird situation to be in yeah because like it's i mean it's chaos and um i mean you you just don't know what's gonna happen like you just gotta be ready for whatever um which i wasn't and i got i got decked and um detail though where did you get hit at um it was my left eye um i don't know who did it but I just saw this one kid and I just got him back. Like that was it. Like I had him on the ground and I hit him just one good time. And then I feel something like on top of me. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, dude, I'm about to get rocked. Like no doubt. And next thing I know it's gone. And like, I'm staying, I stand up and I'm like looking around, like I see Dishman carrying this old dude off of like away from me. So five foot six, Aaron, five foot seven, Aaron Dishman, um, is carrying a grown man. Correct. Yeah. That that does not belong with Stanley. No, he was standing over top of Dish said he was standing over top of me, like getting ready to like hit me. Like basically what he thought was the back of the head. So that's why he just like grabbed him, pulled him off like that night. But when I saw that, like I was like still amped up, ready to go, and then it finally like separated. Like quickly after it was quick man like it felt like it was really fast like it was a quick like people beating each other's ass and then done um i look out in the center field one of their guys is like hand on his knee blood like gushing out of his nose i remember that guy yeah david larman hit him on the run and broke his hand yeah a little a uh a little crow hop there (laughs) dude he was in a cast the rest of the year he missed the rest of the year that's a hardy um but like we're all like you know breathing heavy all red and shit like people are beat up like hands are bloody like all that stuff jersey's um, ripped jersey's untucked it's probably what like a, a fight in the yard looks like in prison honestly is how i can right. explain it it was it was nasty um so we're all sitting there lamb is talking to somebody i guess coach johnson and whoever is umpiring um which what, is, hold on did you ever hit the hit the the adult no, 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 dude. He he was gonna hit me. Um, so I mean, it could have been, it could have been like right. It could have been his son. I don't know. But like, 
he was getting ready to hit me and Dishman yeah. like carried him away um but afterwards like you know all that stuff's going on in the hut like Hatley's sitting here telling us like first he told us how pissed he was at us and like what we acted like and then he flipped it and was like you know I'll tell you right now when some of some bitches come after come after me I'm, I'm a shooter and I was like man what the fuck is going on like I like we just got in this big fight our coach is talking about like if, yelling at us for being idiots and then we, and then says that he like kill somebody that, that tried to do that shit to him and I was yeah. like man this is this is why during the during the text message thread with uh, some of those guys I, you know our little group thing um, every now and then is um, I remember you talking about Hatley's hate speech um, I mean if you don't if you don't feel comfortable doing it don't do it but I mean what what was he, what, what was he saying um, during Go go into like a lot of detail. Just tell us what what you remember from Hatley and Lamb. Um, I mean Hatley was way more vocal. Um, he was definitely like one of those blue collar guys. Um, I mean he he would get after us pretty good. Um, yeah. kind of. I wouldn't I wouldn't say like abusive, but like he was obviously like raised. Um. A little differently than most people and, and well, grew and, up in and, a different time and and the fact that like it's not um to be clear it, it's not like something where augie garrido the mm-hmm. the video of him going off cussing in the in the clubhouse um that uh, believe it or not parents that that's pretty professional how augie handled that um this was the most unprofessional thing ever yeah, I mean, it was kind of day in, day out, but the the one after the fight was even worse, man. Like, we weren't expecting that at all. We Go ahead. Expecting, we weren't see. expecting to be told, like, that we did wrong in that situation. Um, yeah, I was, I was I was thrown off guard of that, too, because, like, I, I'm going in like, yo, you know, we're, we're like, this is a moment we come together. Like, we got each other's back here, and, right. and, and y'all are getting in trouble for it. And, you know, that's... You know, I, I I'm I'm I may be wrong, um, but I am not that type of coach or leader that is ever going to. Um, now, if if you guys would have like, you know, cussed out the guy and and started the fight, it was just a baseball thing that happened with eighteen year old kids. Yeah, I mean, we didn't start that. Like JT just came in pumped. I remember from center field. Like this is what I was told happened. I didn't see it, but like JT came in like from center field and the dude just swung at him when he got to second base the dude that made the front end of the double play right um but i mean i we i know we didn't start it we, we finished the shit but we didn't start it um i remember hatley getting after Wall too like i don't remember what he said but i specifically remember him like pointing Wall out but like as far as i'm concerned Wall defended jt so I, I, I mean, we, we were thrown off by that. But then he tried to flip it around and sound like he was defending us. He would defend us or whatever. And I was like, man, fuck that. Like we were all so pissed at everything that happened, and we didn't understand like why we were made out to feel like that was our fault. I mean, it's if anything, you know, cool. We have each other's backs, right? Like that's my thing. But I don't know. I guess they saw it different, and we got bitched at for it. And, and I interrupted you like three times there, man. Just go ahead and tell us again, like what what was 
um, Hatley saying and like what did what did do you remember what they said in the in the um, post game? Um, I mean specifically I don't remember, but like he, I remember him calling us like dipshits or something, something shitheads, like something along those lines. But like the fact that he like pointed Jaywall out specifically is really what kind of pissed us off. Um, because he said, got after shoot him. Well, he said he said he would shoot like anybody right. who you know, and like he tried to sound like he would defend us that way, and we were like, what? Like, what's <laughs> that for? Like defending our teammates? And I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was tough. Like we were all pretty fired up still afterwards, and you know, that lasted a few days. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy fight, and it was uh, my little brother's tenth birthday. And really? He was there. Yeah, it was awesome. He'll well, never forget that. That's, that's crazy. I also remember that a uh, um, a little kid in Elmoral, I had um, kind of kind of like it wasn't even like a big brother. It wasn't like anything legit. I just met this kid and his uh, grandma was very very old. She was elderly um, and he was like ten years old. I don't know if you remember him. He might have been he might have been eight. I'm not sure. And I was like, yeah, man. He he just wanted like a big, a good role model. And um, he, he was in the dugout with us a few days and um, his grandma came and watched that game and, and he was beside us in the dugout that game and he witnessed all that and I don't think he came back again but um, you know it, it was it sucked for him too because I'm like you know dude, I, like you want to want him to love baseball and then you know he sees this but I mean at the end of the day it, it's it's it was 45 competitive 18 to 21, 22 year olds and um, with a couple of idiot parents and things just escalated. Um, there was a huge fight in the BCBL and I coached in that with Giovanni and um, that was, that was some, that, that was second. It was close to Rockingham fight. I saw some dudes get their jaws cracked in that one. And, um, you know, that night I told the guys, I said, do not go out, go to your apartment, stay at your house, wherever you're renting, stay there. Don't go out. Of course, you can't tell guys what to do in summer ball. Definitely. And, um, not in Moto Beach either. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And, and those dudes, uh, uh, they, they went out and went to the club with, uh, the, the team they were just fighting, you know, it, it's over, it's over with. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun part. I think about baseball is like the next day we played, um, College of Allegheny, and they, 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 they already, came up from Pittsburgh. You're, you're you're looking at you're looking at my my set list right now. You go, man. Go ahead, start over. Um, yeah. So like, was it no? It was two days later. We played on yep. a Tuesday, and we didn't do anything on Monday except have like a meeting about like suspensions and all that stuff. So, um, I'll never forget. I, like, I think they beat us, but they were good. Um, they were from Pittsburgh or like right around Pittsburgh, I guess. And uh, third baseman was like, yo, you know, what, why are all these people here? Because there were like a ton of like NJCAA people, region people, school people, like watching our every move that game. And so we told the kid what happened. And he was like, holy shit. He's like, you want to you wanna have one? Like, should we have one? And I was like, dude, if you're down, like you make the first move though, because we're not getting in trouble for this. <laughs> and he was dying laughing and then I think he asked me like where he could get weed from and I was like man how, how would I know and he goes yeah come on man there, like there's nothing else to do here and we're like yeah I mean you're right 
So we almost like that dude was cool as shit. He wanted to get into a fight. Like he was like, man, that's fucking awesome. Let's get into a fight. We're like, nah, dude. Like we're under man. Like Jay Wall's out. Um, Lyles was out. Yeah, dude. Our our big guns were out. I'm pretty sure. So um, was that the kid that had the earrings and the tattoo and all that stuff? <laughs> I think so. The white kid. Yeah, I remember him. I remember, actually I remember that kid. I, I hope he's doing well now. He seemed like a. You now he was a hard ass, but he seemed like a good kid. Yeah, we were chatting him up all game, man. He was funny, but yeah, that was that was crazy. Like right afterwards, or two days later, like we're laughing about it with yeah. somebody, you know, who didn't have a literal dog in the fight, but he was just that that, that kind of made things a little bit better, honestly. Right, and and on a on a lighter note, um, we you, we went to USC Sakahachi. Um, and we had a crazy rain delay, and, and Moses hit hit that. Do you remember Derek's home run? Did you hear that on his podcast? Yeah. Um, he doesn't I, remember it. I'm like, you hit a bomb that like held up in the wind for 45 seconds and went over the field. He doesn't remember it. But yeah, that wind. The wind was fucking crazy. The weather was nuts. Um, I don't. I kind of remember Derek's home run. I mean, we didn't hit a ton that year. Um, that was like the first year of the BB Corvette, so, like, nobody was hitting any. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, I could, I could imagine that he that he parked one. That dude that dude had some pop, so. Um, so, if you go on uh, for Forgotten Eagles Facebook, and if you follow uh, the Wizard at Wizardville23 on Twitter, um, I post a lot of stuff. Uh, I post everything um, on on my on my Twitter for uh, baseball players to, to see and follow when we put a new episode out and things like that. Um, if, if you look on Facebook and I'll, I'll grab those from Facebook and put them on my Twitter too, but there were uh, quite a few videos and they are not, trust me, just like if that Rockingham fight happened today, we would have perfect video of the whole thing and that would be awesome to watch. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, even in 2011, we were t- 2011, 2010, we did not have that stuff. And, um, and and the videos are very grainy. They're on YouTube and they're posted on Forgotten Eagles Facebook page. Um, but the the rain talk about the rain delay and you somehow almost broke your hand. Yeah. So the rain the rain delay was hilarious, man. Like um, I don't know who started it. I guess we were playing like maybe tic tac toe on a ball and throwing of course, it back that's and how forth. It starts. And then somebody said like, you know, let's let's act out. So we did, and like we had the roller coaster go in, um, where the Bob guys led. like the bobsled, the uh, Derek took off like all of his clothes and was like flapping around like a fish on the tarp. And like Matt High was sitting in a chair, like reeling him in. That's just absolutely <laughs> fun. Like that was so fun. Uh, jousting, uh, yeah, we did the jousting, um, the bowling. bicycle, bowling, um. And then I think it ended with like Valerio and like their biggest guy doing like a shirtless tarp slot against each other. And yeah. if you go watch those videos, listening to Hatley laugh is the most annoying, funniest shit that you will ever hear. Yeah, it was it's recognizable. I mean, he lost it with uh with Valerio, man. Yeah. <laughs> Now Sneed was with you guys too, right? Because I remember Sneed doing something in that video. <clears throat> what did he do, man? He, I think it he might have been bobsled. I think he did the bobsled, yeah. yeah. Um, which was funny because like Jarrett Ross was in there too, and like quote unquote like couldn't get in the bobsled because he, he like jumped the wrong way. 
<laughs> it's on the video. It's so funny, dude. That, that was that was hilarious. That was like that was had to be one of the few times like those things were ever recorded, just because yeah. we didn't we like didn't have all that stuff. So somebody's BlackBerry or whatever. Yeah. How'd you how'd you almost break your hand? Um. So when the rain delay lifted, I had my worst outing there. Um. I'm pretty sure I lasted like a third of an inning and gave up like four runs. I remember all over the place. <clears throat> so when I got taken out. But here's the thing. You were throwing strikes. I, I remember it well. My, my mom yeah. said it the other day, and I saw a picture of me on the mound talking to you um, on the mound visit. And um, you couldn't see the scoreboard, but it took me back. And and you weren't walking, guys. The dudes were just uh, getting base knocks. No, nah, I just got teed off on. And, like, I, I wasn't, like, a strikeout guy, but I wasn't a walk guy. Like, I gave up a lot of contact, but nothing crazy, I don't think, um, except for that game. And I remember being so pissed that I came in, like, punched the dugout wall as hard as I could. And, like, this EMS lady was like, oh, my God, are you okay? And, like, I looked at her and grabbed a whole can of dip and put it in my mouth. I was like, go away. Go, like, go away. You don't, did, you don't understand. Did you, did you try to get her number or no? Uh, probably not. But any other, any other situation, maybe. But not that time. No, I was... I was fired. I, I was, I was so embarrassed, dude. Like I punched, I punched a concrete wall. Like that's the dumbest shit anybody can do, especially with your right hand. Punch. So yeah. Stupid. Hey, when you um, get in a fight with a drunk, you don't hit him with your pitching hand. Nah, come on, meat. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you had a lot of success at Stanley, um, and and you weren't a guy like looking at you pitching like you went out and you got out so you weren't a flashy guy you had fire which i love you play with a little chip on your shoulder um and and you would talk some shit obviously people can understand that by now um by listening to the podcast but um what happened in in the inner squad or maybe the blue gold world series with uh you and jay wall um yeah jay wall is one of the and and i'll say this yet again you guys will get tired of hearing the rockingham story but it's great to hear that from different angles and different perspectives um but you also hear every podcast that john wall um is is the best player all around baseball player um definitely all around infielder i've ever seen and definitely coached in my life um and what happened with you and jay wall if you struck him out um so just for reference jay wall was like like more than a teammate like more than a friend you know like he was like a brother there with y'all got gucci me, together, me. Didn't <laughs> yeah yeah we did um explain gucci real quick for the listeners gucci so this we were between games of a double header and i walked over to the dollar tree across the street this lady was giving out dogs that she said were pit or no i'm sorry um german shepherd lab mixes and i was like oh yeah for sure here take one and as i brought it hand to my mom um we didn't know what to name her and we were like real big on gucci man at the time so we just named her gucci and then she grew up to not be a german shepherd lab mix what is um, she <laughs> you ever seen the movie benji yeah yeah I don't even know what kind of dog that is, but she's scraggly. She's she's still kicking though. That's that's my girl, man. Um, my dad's like in love with her. So, um, she lived with your parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, they they love they love the gooch. That's what we call okay, it. so you and Jay Wall were tight, man. Yeah, yeah. Boys. 
yeah, man. I mean, me, him, and Hunter, you know, we were kind of inseparable. And I think everybody knew that. Um, I mean, and along with other guys, too. Like, but, you know, me, me Jay, Wong, Hunter. Um, we if you saw one, you saw the other. Yeah, basically. Um, so, <laughs> I remember, I don't I think he may have started with me a little bit, like, telling me he was going to go yard. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Um and I, I struck him out on three straight fastballs. This is inner squad or the Blue Gold World Series? Uh, I think it was, I think it was an inner squad because it was like during the season. Okay. Um, and he, he swung and missed like he swung out of his shoes three times. And I don't think I ever faced him other than that. Like we, I, I don't think I ever threw to him. Um, and uh, he didn't talk to me for like a week because. When, when he struck out, I looked at him. I was like, you're going to do what, motherfucker? Like, I was all up in his ass, and he was quiet. And he didn't talk to me for, like, a whole week. And I was like, man, I think I just lost, like, my best friend yeah. over a strikeout. But about a week later, me and Hunter used to go on, like, random runs. And um, <laughs> we, like, threw a little snack for a better word in our sock and ran up to J-Wall and like ran up to J-Wall's house it's like two miles away and um like it was like a peace pipe I was like hey man I'm sorry I'm not sorry I struck you out but you know I'm sorry I talk shit and like that was it but like for him to strike out against me after running his mouth and like being like the he was by far like our best player I think best best guy I've ever played with for sure yeah. And um, it was it was just one of those moments where everybody was kind of getting after him too because they all heard him, and uh, I think he was a little pissed when I chimed in, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we I mean we didn't look at each other for a week even in practice, like it was <laughs> it was bad, but yeah, I mean we we hashed it out literally, hash hashed it, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the, the deal too man that that makes guys better i mean that happens at every level you know what I mean? Sure. I mean mark williams going at theo john and and duke basketball practice you know i'm sure they talk shit and, um but that that makes everybody better and um you know it's it's funny because you know for 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 the guys to to be that competitive and for jay wall to still hold that off the field you know that that just that kind of you wonder if that made him as good as he as good as he was because of his competitiveness and, and that nature yeah and I think for some reason that happened to him often um where somebody would like talk shit to him and he would he would respond like just like that so uh, not like not talk to people but he would respond like on the field with his play well and, I hope, um, yeah I mean that, that was cool I, that's what I loved about him like he didn't care. He just played. Well, I'm hoping to get him on the podcast for sure. Obviously, we want our uh, overall Man, best can, player. If you can find him, like, well, I, so if, if if somebody if somebody is listening to this that knows where Jay Wall's at, let him know. Like, I've been trying to reach. Like, I just want to know what's going on with him. Like, that's my boy. Well, no, you're good. You know. You know, it, it remind, it's crazy because my two favorite shortstops of all time um, both live in solitude, and that's uh, everyone that knows me knows um i'm a khalil green addict i i went to greenville uh we're up in the upstate um actually know a guy that knows a guy that knows where he lives um even though he still has not he was actually a college teammate of his 
um, and and still can't get in touch with him. I, I don't want to go do anything more than sit down and drink a beer with the guy. Um, I don't want to ask him any questions about baseball. I just want to go meet Khalil Green and uh, talk to him. But but I mean, it seems like my two favorite shortstops live in solitude and don't talk to anybody in the world. They disappear, Khalil Green and John Wall. <clears throat> yeah, man. But I hope. I mean, again, I just hope that like somehow, like we can somebody can get get you know, reach out to him um, or he can reach out to somebody um, based off of this because I feel like we can turn into like the Where's J Wall podcast too. Like if, That'd be so cool. If, if like everybody pitched Spin-off. in. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like an A&E show probably. It would be great. It would be I me mean, spin off the Forgotten Eagles Netflix documentary right into Where's J Wall. That's, that'd be perfect. We get the catfish dudes out. They find everybody. Yeah, well, they hadn't found Carol Baskin's husband yet, but you know, <laughs> nobody, nobody will ever. Um, so we go to Onondaga. We play against Onondaga. We run rule them on a walk off double play. I mean, I, I remember playing Onondaga, but I have no clue what you're talking about on this set list. What's up, man? <laughs> um, I okay, so I vividly remember the dude that was pitching too. Um, he looked like Barry Zito, but from the right side. Okay. And we were up by nine in like the fifth. The two is two seven. So um, I forgot who was up. Bases were loaded, nobody out, and their corners came in, but their middle guy stayed back. And we we're like, "All right, well, let's hit it to the middle of the field, I guess." Or like a little blooper, you know, something weird that a shortstop might have to come get. We win, but we hit it like a somebody, somebody, whoever was hitting hit a hard line drive. Taylor made double play ball. And they turn it, and a run scores, and we win by ten. And we're all like looking around, like, "What the hell just happened, dude?" I, that we we had a lot of those moments, I guess, that year where we just kind of trying to figure out what the hell happened, like after it happened. But that was one of those times where I was like, "Dude, what what did I just witness right here? We just went on a walk off double play, and I to this day still have never seen it happen." So it might be the only one in baseball history. It could be. It definitely could be. I mean, um, I remember we were playing. It might be on the same weekend. Um, you, you played with Ray Pena, right? Uh, no, no, no. He was, he was year? Year, he, not, yeah. Um, he, he, he played it. Yeah, you're right, because you were two years after me, right? So, yep. um, yeah, so the year before you got there, Ray Pena hit a um, – Ray, Ray hadn't hit anything past an outfielder in a year and a half and he um hit a walk-off grand slam against a team from new york and i was like blown away and 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 i'm sure that's the only home run ray Pena has ever hit in his college career and race coming on he can yell at me he was one of my roommates back in the day but um it was just an odd situation a lot of odd things happened to stanley um another odd one um i'm getting good with these uh you know, moving moving on. Um, it's a little transitions. Are nice. transition. See, that's why you you got a college degree. Um, Methodist. We drive to Methodist in Vietnam in Fayetteville. Now, <laughs> I want to backstory this and just let you take over. But in in college, I was or in high school. I was um, recruited by um, quite a few schools. Uh, a handful of Division ones, handful of Division twos, um, three or four Division threes, and. Uh, like eight or nine JUCOs and um, had committed to go somewhere and um, drove up to Mars Hill and 
And it wasn't like today where I would like to thank God and my family for the opportunity I'm blessed with to commit to the University of blah, blah, blah. Guys, take that shit off Twitter. Stop. Stop. Please stop. Especially to schools that don't give out scholarships. Yeah, yeah, please. It's a different, that's a different show and, and rant, but please the heavens above stop um nobody cares you're not going to play your first year and you'll probably transfer okay um so with that being said um i i i went and i met coach taylor and i was like i wouldn't even i was like i'm not going to mars hill are you kidding me <laughs> like what and um and, and i was like oh i can get out of school to go meet these guys and go up here sure I'll, I'll get out of school i was that type of guy i had all a's um i sucked up to the teachers Literally and physically and emotionally. And uh, so I I went and uh, I met Coach Taylor. And I was like, I want to play for this guy. I don't care if he plays for – if he coaches for the prison team. I want, I want to play for this guy. This guy's awesome. And that's what I did. Um, during that whole deal, at least five days a week, Coach Allingham um, – I apologize for not knowing his, name, his first name right now and probably a good thing. Uh, thanks, man. Um, probably a good thing that I don't remember his first name, but Coach Allingham uh, was a coach at Methodist. And they recruited me so much. And the day I made it public, and back then we didn't have Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. We had, um, oh man, do you remember that that message board? That everybody talked on. Coach Pope had a thing. Do you remember that, Dylan? Yeah, but I don't remember the name of it. Um, it was a message I, board. I, I know what you're talking. I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, it was a it was gonna... a board, and and somebody put that health effects one uh, has committed or has signed. We didn't really commit. We had, had signed with Mars Hill, and I got a message on my answering machine. Yeah, guys, an answering machine on a home phone line, and. Coach Allingham, when I heard it, my mom was not distraught, but she was like, what in the world just happened? This guy cussed me, cussed my family. I spent so much effing time recruiting you, and you don't have the decency to call me and tell me you're going. Well, look, I haven't even, first off, thought of calling him and say, look, I'm not, I thought I made it clear that I wasn't going to go to Methodist. Um, to him, but apparently he needed more from me to tell him I was going to go somewhere else. Thanks for your time. But this guy went ballistic. I saw him at a, when I was at Stanley working a Lewisburg camp in the fall one year. Um, and I saw him, obviously he did not, um, talk to me. And, um, I've always wondered because he was still, he, he was, he was still at Methodist this year when you're about to tell the story. The next year he went and coached at Brevard. Um, and I don't know where he is now. Um, but I still feel like part of this was him like trying to screw me and screw us in some facet. Um, so we go we, we have a we have a weekday game against Methodist. Obviously a four-year school, you're we're a two-year school, so they have a JV squad in uh, quotations. Um, that freshman, sophomore only, and they get a 12 to 24 game season, um, about 12 doubleheaders a year, where they, uh, the guys that don't normally get on the field on 
regular college baseball days, they get a chance to play throughout the week and, and get some game time in. Um, so we, we load up the buses, a silver bullet is ready to go. And, and we, we go down and, and we pull into Methodist and what happens, uh, Dylan? Nobody was there. No one, not, not a soul. soul. And we were like all ready to go. We're like stretching, we're throwing still nobody there. We're figuring that they're still in class. Right. I mean, I, like pulling a Spartanburg Methodist, you know, like walking down the hill and changing out of their jeans into pants. But no, I mean, we waited. Nothing. Nobody ever, nobody ever showed up. Nobody answered a phone call. Nope. Nope. So as I'm putting a, a hog in, sitting in the front of the silver bullet um, and trying to call the coach and staff, um, what, what, what do you guys proceed to? And we had Stanley parents there parents had arrived um i still don't know what happened and if we ever got um any any word on why they didn't show up um but what what did you guys proceed to do under the direction of jeff lamb <laughs> i'm kidding i don't dude, i don't know i i actually might have been the ringleader of this one which um i now, always knew you were like, in cahoots with jeff well i would say now 12 years later it's even funnier um based off of some other experiences but um we got into the cage, we were hitting a little bit, and we found like six or seven BP jackets. Um, I think we found like a, um, a set of game bases, like on this like rolling, it was almost like a hand truck, but just for bases. And I was like, hey, you know, it'd be funny if we took all this stuff. And <laughs> yeah, that'd no, be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody even questioned it somebody rolled out the game bases um everybody's walking out wearing a methodist bp top and we pile back on the bus and we go to cookout i remember um and they all thought we were like the methodist baseball team (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think i held on to that bp jacket actually for a while which is even better I, I, I mean, I have no words. Like, you know, it's just uh, it's another day in the life of a Stanley Eagle, I guess. Sure. So during this time, were you a PO or a position player or what? Because I, I know we talked about a lot in the first one. Um, you talked about when you came in and, um, after the blaze day and the rain, rain delay. Um, you came in and you went over three and, and stuff like that. But you did get two hits in your lifetime as a college player um, playing right field, I believe. And, yes. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I mean, really, for this is this is also for the podcast and and the the funny stories, but also, what do you have to say um, to a guy that goes in as a pitcher and and you know the Rick and Kills of the world and they get cut like, hey, let me let me hit, let me hit, watch it, let me hit, and you go out and you make it. Um, you know, what were your feelings like mental? What was your mental area, mental avenue, and thoughts with? Um, doing both and all of a sudden you're just thrown into it I was like definitely a little more confident uh, before I stepped in the box um, I think once I like got into the once I got into the box I was like oh god this this isn't going to be good um, but you know, I got a little more comfortable like taking BP every day and um, taking more fly balls and stuff I've never played a corner outfield position before Um but for some reason, I was much better at right field than I was left. I remember getting burnt one time 
um, in left field and like coming in asking Lamb to like switch me right like right away. I was like, just move me over right or we're gonna lose. Um, <laughs> and Matt High was playing center and it like confused the shit out of him when that happened. <laughs> but like, because um, <laughs> like all of us kind of jumped in the jumped into some sort of role. Um, not all of us, but I don't know why he picked me of all people, but um, I'm sure there were some other able-bodied pitchers that could do that. So, um, I mean, I just kind of tried to take advantage of it, have some fun with it, um, finish my career with a 222 batting average, higher than some people. So, I'm a I'm a legend, I guess, in my own mind as a hitter. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was it's a totally different mindset when you're a two-way guy, and, and I was kind of used to it. Um, because of high school ball, like again, we didn't have like POs. Um, now I think it's definitely something that's way more difficult to do, um, just because of specialization with baseball. But um, it's not impossible, you know. You, you see college guys doing it more often, and um, I think that's kind of a good. You tell you tell people you know when they're young play as many sports as you can. Well, if you're gonna be a baseball player, like play as much of different positions as you can, hit, pitch, like just try and try and be a, a do it all guy because that's that's what's so valuable about uh, about a guy like that in baseball. Like you know like basketball, like you should be able to catch, shoot, pass, rebound, play defense. Um, you know other sports, you're not like so tied into a specialization um like cornerbacks can be receivers i think and uh, i don't know about vice versa but i mean you've got in football guys that line up on the line and their linebackers um so i mean in baseball you know if you're an outfielder you're an outfielder um but try and do as much as you can and see what happens like you never know like now it's just everybody wants to be otani but you know not everybody's gonna throw 100 and hit you know five thousand home runs um it's just not in the cards anymore but you know, if kids started doing that more i think we'd see some really fun baseball um you know at the minor league and, and um, major league level like, pitchers still have to go up there and hit in the nl right so um you know make, make yourself a little valuable like madison bumgarner uh, who's the other guy mike hampton remember him right. yeah like, oh that yeah dude, that dude hit home runs you know, Bumgarner hits home runs. Uh, freaking Bartolo Colon hit a bomb. You know, that's like just do do as much as you can as a baseball player. Absolutely, and, and it's crazy, man, that this world. I know, um, and we'll do this at the end of the third uh, podcast for sure. But um, about like Derek and I did talking about youth baseball and trying to give a little bit of our insight um, to whoever's listening and hopefully help someone down the road. But in my travels this summer, I actually saw 12-year-old kids that were POs. Yeah. Um, they would fly in to showcase or 13-year-olds or whatever they are. But they would, they would fly into, you know, West Palm Beach and, and play in the Ultimate Baseball Championship. And they were POs. And you're 13. And it makes zero sense to me. It just is mind-boggling. And, and I, I just... I don't know. I want out. I'll be honest with you. Like just the scouting, coaching, all like baseball is changing so much and it's, and it's not for the, for the best. And um, we'll also talk to you a little bit on podcast three about um, the USA baseball thing. And, and uh, don't get into it now, but I, I, I do remember you saying that you uh, 
were able to uh, talk to Rob Manfred last summer a little bit. So, yeah, man, we'd say or, that or mess with him. <laughs> uh, it was it was a quick exchange. We'll say that. So, uh, South Fifth Stores. No clue what you're talking about. What are, what, what do you got? South Fifth Stores. So my handwriting is bad. Stories. Um, stories. That that was the. That was that. That was like Furman, Manny Tejada, Devin Montnez, um, Alvin Guzman. I don't know if Jorge Urena lived there or not. International but, um, guy. Yeah, it was all of our um, like, just like all the Hispanic guys on the team lived together. It, like we always went over there. So much fun. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, they're uh, they were all Charlotte guys too, which was cool. Um, so their families were close, and so we got to meet. Um, a lot of their families and make some um, good food too boy man that's like we'd bring like they'd bring trays of food over and they'd call us be like yo come over like you know they dropped off food come hang out like hell yeah let's go so um yeah we would do that like every sunday i think and um i mean i thought that was mama noise day that's Friday. No, that's Friday, dude. Come on, yeah, come on, dude. Don't mess up the food schedule. (laughs) My bad. No, it's okay. It's okay. Start throwing me off. Um, but no, I mean, they they threw some fun parties and stuff too. Like, um, it was just it was a different vibe over there. We we had a blast over there. But I mean, there were times where, um, (laughs) like the girl I was dating at the time was a sorority girl at uh, Charlotte, and I brought her over there once for a party, and like she like they they brought her in like family you know like that's how everybody was over there there was never anything bad like it was always a good time um it was in a rough part of town but uh you didn't really like feel like you were in like any sort of danger over there like it was it was it was like a real it was a real cool place to go and um we'd stay up playing like call of duty over there like till two in the morning and then go home or you know wait till we'd always be pumped for Sundays because again that was that was like family day and like we didn't get a ton of chances to to do that stuff so for them to do that was was a blast um but they also had some really really good alcohol I'll say that like some the liquor that that would be over like people would their family would bring over never even heard of it drink yeah. it it'd be it, like we'd throw down it was so much fun So did did, um, did did you ever have? I know I talked about it one time. Uh, Ray Pena's mom would always make lamb rice and beans. Yep. And it'd be like four or five cheap, you know, those like Dollar Tree throwaway tin tin foil, you know, um, dishes. And we would eat that, dude. It, you know, she's like, "Here's some food for the week." Dude, we'd have that thing going in in a night. And yeah. It was just the best food ever. Yeah, it was like a buffet line, man. Like you just walked over there. Like I mean, there was always there was always rice. There was always like different kinds of beans. Um, that's the first time I've ever had sweet beans before in my life, which mm-hmm. is rock. If you ever yep. get a chance to eat it, um, pork, chicken, lamb, um, all of it, man. Like it was that 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 was that was a spot. I'd rather go there than like I'd rather go there on Sunday than like go to a restaurant all day long. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, so to, to kind of wrap up part two, um, going into part three, we're going to talk about, we'll open with a, uh, I don't know how long it'll take. It might take long. It might not, but, uh, we'll, we'll talk about a, uh, a pool hall night in Myrtle beach. 
uh, after you and I were, after you graduated or um, left Stanley, uh, this was years later, I believe. I was actually married at the time to a West Forsyth graduate, um, my first wife. And then uh, we'll talk about a little bit about the Ironman Challenge, some thoughts and memories on that. Of course, the USA Baseball and Rob Manfred and the um, MLB Draft Combine that you were uh, able to be a part in. Um, also, I want to talk a little bit about um, this guy named David. Um, and we'll talk about David um, in, that, in that one. Um, and this was a story from last summer uh, when I was actually able to see you again for the first time in a long time at 730 in the morning when I just got cussed out by a guy. Uh, and it was just a, a, a random deal. Um, but to close this one and to, to keep everyone on their toes, there was a moment in your career and as a baseball player, in my career as a college baseball coach, where, um, for lack of a better term, shit hit the fan and there was a high horse that someone jumped on and it got very awkward and very weird very quickly and there was random drug testing what yeah. that happened and what do you remember and then I'll tell <clears throat> you what I remember so from what like, I don't know how it started I don't know if it was because of that southeastern thing or not, um, or like if somebody like. So this was in season. Yeah, this was in season. Okay, um, I, for some reason I thought it was out. It was in the fall, but you're you're right. It was in season, which made it even more awkward. I, I don't know. Like, let's like, bring as many problems as we can to this program. Like, sure. what are you doing? Yeah, man. Great. Um, yeah, that was a weird day. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it went one of two ways. There's somebody like got butt hurt. They didn't hang out with us and like said something to somebody about people like smoking pot and, um, or if it was the whole like, um, Southeastern thing, but we get a call from Lamb and like, I, I never got phone calls from Lamb. It's weird as shit. So I thought I was in some sort of trouble, like, but whatever. Um, I answered and he says, Hey, like, um, we're all doing, we're all meeting up at uh, the hospital. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Like, yeah, we got drug testing and like, we're sweating. We might've been high, but we're sweating. And, um, I don't even like use that word actually been high. Like high is such a weird word. We were, yeah, we were gassed. And, um, so we're all freaking out. We show up and there's like 10 dudes here. And I look and I'm like, yo, this is like everybody he doesn't like, I think. And um, we're all sitting in the waiting room. And he's like, yo, we're, we're drug testing today. Like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with this, blah, blah, blah. And we just sat there, we're like, nah, nah, we're not. Like, we didn't agree to this. Um, like, we don't have to do this. You can't force us to do this. Like, what, like, you know, what? what's your base for this and we never got told why we were brought in but like we i mean we, we went like went on strike right there and like the nurses were like come on and we we're like no like we're not getting up um it got to the point where i think the president showed up um yeah the president showed up when i found out about it yeah i found out about it and i was i called miss udi i believe 
and I was I was li- I was irate. I remember slamming the hospital door so hard when I walked into where you guys were that I thought I was going to shatter the um, the thing. And I, I I said something to Lamb, and he was like, "Let's talk outside." And and I was I was seeing red. I was so mad um, because it, it's just like this is not how you coach. This is not how you, if you have a problem with, obviously you can see the guys that drink, you can see the guys that take steroids. You can see the guys that eat tuna every day and lift and are getting married tomorrow. You can see who the virgin is. You can see who the potheads are. You know, at the end of the day, it's our job to, to be their, their person and, and take care of them while they're here. And what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I mean, we definitely like felt, like ostracized and like everybody else knew except us until we got there like what was going on too and like that that kind of flipped you off yeah Yeah. i mean it it made us say like no we're not going to do this and when the president got there when you say we who who was the we that was not going to do it you jay wall hunter um i mean jt had to be there um I'm trying to think of who else, man. So when he I called mean, you and said we're we're getting drug we're we're having the drug test, it it, it was perceived as the whole team was getting drug tested. Correct. There's eight guys. Correct. Yeah, and they had already been there, so like we didn't know really what we were walking into. Um, who, who was there? Yeah, Tim Tillsby. Yeah, you, uh, Jay Wall, Hunter, JT. Um, I feel like was Manny Tejada there. Yeah, and he didn't even smoke, bro. Like that was right. the craziest part. Dutter was there? Alvin Guzman. Dutter was there. Dutter um, was there. I remember Dutter being there. Yes. So that's eight. I'm pretty. There might have been a couple more, but um, yeah. I mean, we just like looked. Did around. you play with Travis Fetter? Um, for a half a year. Okay. Was he there? He wasn't. He wouldn't have been there yet. No, no, no. no. It was the next year he was there. But um, Houston Eisen. Yeah, yeah. He brought Houston in, and he's yep. like, dude, Houston kidding me like that dude ran the freaking loop in like five minutes you think yeah he was, he was a marathon team. runner he was not a baseball player yeah and that was the dumbest thing but um but that was his boy though yeah so i think that was kind of like the cover-up right kind of deal you know yeah, really I, was like the one yeah. but um no nah, i mean the president came in and, and she saw us sitting there like refusing to do it um and the nurses like and people were all there like watching us like not listen to people and I think she just had enough of it and was like, no, we're not doing this and sent us off. And that I think might've been like one of the biggest turning points um, my year that led to basically this podcast. Right. So you have Derek Moses um, six months later talking to the, um, or that same year, that same year talking to, um, you know, the, the president. And then she's in there like, just blown away at you know I'm, I feel sure that one of you guys called your parents and I remember a text message from Dutter saying what is going on and I was at Raven's house and I I literally left when when um, he texted me back and said we're all getting drug tested and and I, I literally remember leaving and Raven calling me and was like where, where did you just go and you just walked out and left. I was like, I'm going to the hospital. Um, and she was like, come back and get me. So I came back, and got her. And I remember, I remember just like, it was just the most awkward thing. It was like a little kid that just 
like opened his Christmas presents and didn't want his parents to know when I walked in and saw a lamb. And it was just the most awkward thing because like, it, like what are you trying to prove here? Yeah, it just, it made everything worse. Um, I mean, we weren't getting in any trouble. Like, obviously it's not something like as a coach um, now, like if this was going on, like I'd be like, hey, you know, you could get in some shit for this. Right. Right. But, you know, as a kid, we were like, hey, I mean, we're not getting, we're not getting in any trouble. Um, you know, nobody's been affected by this or like, what's, yeah, what's what are you doing? Coach? Yeah. Yeah. What's the big deal other than just like now there's like this one breach of trust. Um, and we were already like kind of on edge from like all the other stuff that was going on with, you know, like the whole Derek thing and um, the fight and like all that. But hey, I mean, it was just again, it was like one of those turning points that made us realize like this is just not going. It's just not moving in the right in the right direction. So, so what happened when when you guys leave? What was what was the rest of your night like? What was practice like the next day? <clears throat> the rest of our night was pretty normal. Um, if that makes yeah, if that makes it yeah. Um, so we weren't really shook by it at all. But, uh, I mean, it was almost like we had to pick back up where we left off the next day. Like, nothing happened. But we were all pretty pissed. Um, and I think Jay Wall, a couple other guys, like, met with Lamb. I didn't want to be a part of it. Um, like, for the simple reason. Like, I was just tired of, like, dealing with that stuff all the time. There was just always something. And so I just stayed away from it. But, but it, was, it was like nothing happened. It just, like, dissipated. And we're like, dude, that like that is one of the worst feelings, first of all, to be called out by your coach. Um, and then just kind of be in this mindset of like this dude doesn't have our back, like at all. And um then to just go out and like pretend like nothing happened. We we were we were tired of it. Like we we're we we're just sick of it. Do you feel like that that played a part in any like Obviously, you guys didn't like Lamb. And again, like I said on Dylan on uh, Derek Derek Moses podcast, that this is not a, a slam Lamb podcast. We're going to bring him on and, and we're going to talk to him about all these things. And it would not be an awkward conversation with me. It would be probably awkward for some guys to listen to. Like, oh, geez, Hellspec's an idiot for you know, he's got some balls on him for doing this. But um, it, do you feel like it was a situation where it it did it help? you guys as players because at that point I had, I started learning how to coach and how to be a coach you're there with your boys but you also have to give them their freedom and their ability to talk shit I'm sure people talk shit about me um, at times and, and I'm sure guys will at some point on this podcast luckily so far you and Derek have not um, and Bubba won't but I'm sure there'll be a Bo McBride that will at some point have something to be for Jacob Wright or some other guys and, and that's, that's perfectly fine uh, 100% but do you feel like um, you guys were able to – did you guys get closer because of all that crap? Like you just said, you had the you had the fight, you had the drug testing, you had the other stuff going on. Or did, did you feel like that was kind of a, uh, a, a, a shot in the hip? As a team, um, I mean, they were like, you know, the percentage of guys that like – you know, didn't do anything other than sit in their apartment. So I felt like they didn't really care. Um, but 
you know, everybody else kind of came together and it was just like, hey, like, screw all this stuff. Like, let's just play. Let's let's play and have and, and you know, do it for each other instead. And um, I mean, that that point, it became evident, like, hey, we can we can win if like we have we had more than one opponent for the rest of the year and like we wanted to prove that we weren't like shitheads that we weren't um like what people were making us out to be and that we were all there for a common purpose and it was just one it was to win games and two like get to the next level so if anything you know we straightened up a little bit we did that on our own um and it was like for no reason like we weren't scared of another test we weren't like it was just a matter of like, hey, let's just show this guy like what he thinks of us is not right, and we'll make him look like the idiot. Not we're we're not going to be made to look dumb here. Gotcha. I mean, and, and that makes sense. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that happens throughout the course of college baseball season, um, where uh, or any college athletic season where coaches have to deal with stuff. But it just always seems that Jeff Lamb tended to deal with things in the manner that would throw everyone else under the bus. Yeah. It was, it wasn't respectable. And like, you know, you said like people didn't like lamb, like, I mean, as a coach, people aren't going to like you, but you know, don't disrespect people. Um, they may not like the way you do things, carry yourself, like things you say, but like how you say things to people and how like your actions, um, that that speaks volumes so um yeah i mean that's it it was it was it was a non-like and then it turned into a non-respect and that's like that's a bad recipe man absolutely and that that, i mean that's why we actually named uh part three with Derek moses like he said expectation and autonomy Uh, and you know it just makes a ton of sense and um but uh to, to wrap this up it'll be a quick one um and, and we'll uh, we'll get to bed on this uh, late call here. Um, what uh, describe ask 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 one of the funniest moments of my life. And we used to text each other randomly and just say ask. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, say it for the for the listeners. Just say it like you used to say it. Ask. <laughs> so you nailed it. That that came about. Um, I was in high school, and uh, <laughs> we were in some class, and um, our teacher was like talking about I don't even know what. This dude in our class raised our hand, raised his hand, and goes, "Hey." Um, yeah, none of us asked about any of this. And we all just started dying, bro. And that just became like the baseball team's thing. So anytime somebody would like that that would be our thing. Like, dude, did I ask? No, I didn't. It's beyond disrespectful. And it's one word. Um but it that turned into ask and I I'm pretty sure people are still saying that, dude. I mean it's like twenty years later. I do. Yeah, I do. Um I think somebody even made a Twitter that like would tweet at people and say, ask on their tweets. It wasn't me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just one of those little goofy things, man. And, um, 
it's still funny. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Like people that say it's not funny, they just got asked too much. That's my opinion. <laughs> it's just like Frank Nicolosi, man. He used to say all the time. He'd be like, um, he'd say, "Sleep nights." When a guy makes like two errors back to back, or a kid went back up a base, he'd be like sleep nights. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like you sleep at night. We're it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Wake up. I'm like yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Sleep nights. Uh, I like that one. That one. That that's an ask to me. It's, an it's ask. on the same level. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Um, we'll get back and, and get part three done and we'll get it out and we'll just keep ruffling some feathers and, and hopefully we get, uh, it's going to take time and it's going to be a fun ride and journey. And um, so pumped that, that you were our second guest and uh, much yeah, love. Appreciate it. Um, personal, personal appreciate question. It, yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Personal question. You guys have any uh, puppies right now that you are, uh, are training? yeah um uh right now we got a six month old um black lad that uh he's a little hellion um he's like very raw in his training compared to a lot of the dogs we've had but um yeah it's the program's awesome like we've been doing it for two years we take in the we take in a lab um we took in a lab as a puppy to start and um he went off to to go train even more and uh, now we've been getting dogs that are like almost graduated. We're going to actually go to a graduation ceremony tomorrow um, for a few of our dogs. We've almost gotten 25, 30 dogs, I guess, in the last two years. Um, and uh, they all trained for um, like mobility and medical assistance to um, you know help folks out that uh, that need that need a buddy around um, to kind of go through day to day things that you know you wouldn't even think about being an issue. Um, but yeah, it's been extremely rewarding experience. You know, definitely, I could I could talk about it all night. But um, like I'm gonna, we can make part three like grown up Dylan. Um, we can do that. Part one and two, I think, has been like kind of dipshit Dylan for a while. So um, good learning experiences for people who are listening. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff that like I know we haven't gotten to yet and um you know i'm excited to like kind of show like even listening to derek and like keeping up with like some other guys like seeing um what they're doing in life now and like what it could have been i guess um if things were different in, in college if like we all we all could have turned out to be pretty bad but uh you know staying in contact with each other with you and then keeping up with everybody and seeing how well people are doing it's it's like it's like a i think we overcame a little bit taught us a lot so absolutely and i say that a lot to my my generation growing up you look at um pretty much my whole crew that that we're you know our, our friend group or whatever people call it these days we were um we've all been married with kids and divorced with other kids and had other kids and got married again and, and things like that and you know i think that's life you just um always overcome man and um you just always, always find your, find your spot. And, and the cool thing is, um, and we'll, that's my, my niece, um, uh, from this marriage. And I, I do not plan on, uh, having another one. Uh, this, this lady is an absolute angel, man. And uh rock star and, uh, uh, best friend and her niece, or our niece, um, 
uh, has Dravet syndrome. And we talked about that a lot on Natural Sponge and Friends podcast. And, and um, we actually did some stuff. Had a Dravet baseball team uh, that everything, all the proceeds went to Dravet syndrome. Um, she has tons of seizures every day. She's, uh, I think, I think Amy's 11 now. I, I hope I'm right. Um, but, but she has a service dog, uh, Goliath. And um, Goliath is her boy. And Goliath is a fantastic uh, golden doodle. And he is named correctly. He is huge, Goliath. And, you know, I mean, without without people like you, Goliath would not be trained the way he is. You and um, uh, Kristen, correct? Correct. Yes. Correct. And um, the, I know the about, brains behind the operations. Yeah, she is. And just like Megan is here. And, um, and without people like you and Kristen, uh, Goliath would not be trained properly to take care of Amy. And um, that's just a freaking awesome thing that you guys do, man. And um, I love you guys for many reasons. Thank you, man. Uh, definitely for that. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's the single-handedly most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Um, would highly recommend anybody that gets a chance to like volunteer um, with any organization like that, whether it's even if it's not dogs. Um, you know, get involved with, with Miracle League um, if you're a baseball person and then just see like the joy that, you know, something that we could take for granted um, brings to people's faces that, um, you know, may have some struggles doing just regular day-to-day stuff, like get involved with it. And, um, you know, just personal fulfillment's great. Um, but, you know, when you get it from, from other people's happiness, it's just, it's, it's different. So, um, highly recommend it if anybody gets a chance. Absolutely. Put your phones down and go uh, help other people, man. Uh, Dylan, appreciate it, man. And uh, ask. Wish it out. Oh, thanks, brother. Later. <laughs>